This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we get started on today's episode, we just wanted to let you know how you could work with Made by Mamas as a partner. If you listen to the podcast regularly, you'll hear that we love working with brands that we're really passionate about. And that could be talking about a brand's fantastic products on the podcast to someone listening right now like you, giving a shout out on socials or even hosting an event for you. If you're listening and you'd like to hear a bit more about how we partner with brands and how we could potentially work together, we would love to chat. Send us an email to mbm at insanity hq.com that email address is also in the podcast description too we can't wait to hear from you now let's get started on today's podcast hello and welcome to made by mamas the podcast i'm zoe and i'm georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood you know the real conversations tips and tricks products we love and brands we can't live without let's get into it Hello and welcome to Friday's episode of the podcast. Um, are going to be a really interesting conversation today because when we put this out on our Instagram, the amount of questions that we got sent in, we were flooded with people saying we cannot wait for this conversation to happen. So we're very excited and we found the perfect person, um, founder of the SEN Expert. Uh, her name is Claire Wally. We've got a Wally, a Hardman and a Dayton and we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> it is Claire Wally. <laughs> How are you, Claire? I'm really good, thank you. Um, I'm really pleased to be on here and like you said, there's a, a huge amount of interest in this topic so to be able to chat to you guys today is um, a real honour so thank you very real. much. Just before we get into the questions as I said we've had loads um, do you want to just give us a little bit of background mm-hmm. into how I guess you have got to where you are and like your experience in this subject? Yeah definitely um, so I've had quite an interesting uh, path I suppose career-wise so I trained as a art teacher and went to my first ever teaching job in London, walked through the door, and I was told that I would be having a tutor group for 25 hours a week, which had 10 children in it with um, quite complex special educational needs, and that I'd be teaching three hours of art tapped onto that. So um, I swiftly wow. changed from being, you know, with my paints ready to be all arty to actually applying that creativity to how am I going to teach these kids every single subject in a secondary school as well. So it wasn't that I was primary school trained and used to teaching all the different subjects. So that's where I started, really. Um, I worked there for a number of years and became the SEN advisor for um, the key stage, so year seven, eight, and nine. And from there, I've been uh, a deputy head of a school, assistant head, a advisor for an academy chain. And then the pandemic happened and I uh, I got pregnant during the pandemic, as uh, probably most of the population did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted to put all of that knowledge that I'd got from all those different roles into one 
um, place really with the SEN expert. And I suppose it, it kind of came about because I have sat in so many meetings where I really wanted to say to a parent or to a child or to a school, some really kind of honest, frank advice. And I just couldn't say yep. it because I was stuck by, I suppose, the agenda of where I worked. Whereas mm-hmm. now being completely independent, I can be that kind of frank, honest person being like, no, that's not right. You shouldn't have been told that. Yes, that is right. And actually help. And that's how I got here. And Claire, special educational needs can range from anything to, you know, from, we're talking dyslexia, for example, mm-hmm. right up until, you know, when a child may need, you know, some sort of real kind of, you know, hour by hour, minute by minute extra care in, in a special yeah. school that is kind of dedicated to that. Is that correct? Yes, it's a huge, huge range of different types of needs. Um, SEN is characterised in four areas. So you have physical difficulties, that includes um, hearing impairment and visual impairment. You have cognition and learning, which is anything to do with with learning, basically, and retaining information. Communication interaction, which can cover things like um, autism, um, social communication difficulties, and social, emotional, and mental health. Okay. So back in the day when we were at school, this was kind of titled behavior, but obviously you can't you can't have a behavior. Behavior is a communication of a need. So the government have made lots of steps forward with recognizing mental health and how important it is for young people. So social, emotional, mental health covers that area, which again, okay. all of them are broad and can cover many different um additional needs okay amazing george listen let's get into it because we've got so many people to uh to, so many questions to answer do you, do you want to kick us off yeah of course um let's start with this one my five-year-old year one masks his asd and adhd at school meaning he kicks off more at home help it definitely is one for for help it's really tricky um and it's something really common with children with asd is that they will it's really quite um, quite clever. They will read a room, they will understand kind of the social norms of that room, and then they will completely mask their own feelings and emotions to fit in. So inside, they could be in complete turmoil and be highly anxious, but on face value, they look absolutely fine. Um, there is this kind of... Obviously, there's an obvious negative that a child is, is stressed but isn't showing that or communicating that. It also is tricky for parents because I have so many meetings where I'll go along and school will say, oh, but they're absolutely fine and they're doing so well and and trying right. to push school to give support in the classroom when actually they're presenting fine in that classroom is it's a bit of a, a challenge sometimes. What what does ASD stand for? Um, autistic spectrum disorder. disorder. Okay. And so, what would the signs be? Like, because you're saying if you know um, children can mask it in certain situations, what would people be looking out for? So, normally, if your child has got ASD, when you're having um, your health worker checks when they're really quite small, um, they would notice um, things that could be a nod towards a, an ASD diagnosis. So. It's, again, it's a huge spectrum, but kind of common themes are um, issues uh, with sensory, so the touch of things or um, things like wearing clothes or, or uniform they find tricky. They struggle with social communication. Um, they might look or seem like they don't have any friends, but they really don't. They don't need that um, as such. So you and I would want to, you know, have friends and have a social circle. For some autistic people, they have no interest in it because it's just not part of their kind of setup. So 
social communication become a, can become a challenge because they can seem like they are being rude when they're not being rude. Um, they may struggle with eye contact. Um, they will sometimes struggle with reciprocal conversations. So it may seem like they're having a chat with you, but actually they're just rehearsing these kind of rewritten lines that they have in their head. So they, they would know, okay, so my teacher likes to know about my work. So I'll reel off these sentences that I've practiced and that will kind of resolve that situation. But wow. autism is a, is a huge spectrum. You can have children that are non-verbal that need to be in really quite specialist provisions. You can have children with ASD who function really quite well in a mainstream school and only need sort of that scaffolding support. So it's a huge spectrum. With the with the sort of issue of masking, I think the first thing to do is to make sure that school understand that masking is part of um, that little boy's way of life so it's not that he or he's fine actually he is actively and probably getting quite tired during the day putting on a a front to make himself fit in um it's highly stressful because if you can imagine even you know when you and I walk into a room you read the room you look at people you try to work out um who you're you know going to go talk to or whatever they're doing that all the time and then trying to kind of change their presentation to fit in so first of all I'd recommend making school sure school understand that that is what is happening everything isn't fine a kind of really stressful masking activity is happening um when coming home obviously it's almost like having a bottle of coke and you shake it up shake it up all day and then when as soon as you get home they feel comfortable so you take the top off and they have this big mm-hmm. explosion yeah I, th- I think it's important to recognize that behavior as being a product of masking not a bad behavior or oh they're being naughty or they're being rude to me and to give them some time to kind of decompress so when they jump in the car after school don't be like what happened at school today who did you see who did you talk to just use um that period of time in the car say it's being really quiet calm time when they come into the house have it so that you're not essentially pestering them you're letting them get comfy get happy back into the kind of home environment rather than bombarding them with questions or if behaviors happen you're minimizing them rather than shouting back and saying you know oh, you need to behave because they need time to relax from this highly stressful period of time and if you can right. give them that over time hopefully the level of um kind of meltdown at home will reduce and if school are aware as well they could maybe factor in some breaks during the school day where they can go to say a sensory room or go even just go for a walk around the school site just to have a moment of calm before they go back into essentially what is a a six-hour performance in front of their classmates. Mm. And actually I think it's fine to flag those things to the teacher like I think at drop-off it can be a little bit chaotic you know you're just trying to get your kid into the classroom without them crying or without you know and then you forget to have those conversations um you know I, I have two children that don't have you know um, special needs but Kit was so knackered the other day and I just said to his teacher I just said he's really exhausted he's been up half the night and he just went I'm just going to go for a sleep and he just, just <laughs> took himself off to the other side of the classroom and just lay down he was down mm. there for like an hour he did he just needed some time out and they were really yeah. re- really responsive to that so I think it's really important to have those open and honest conversations no, I think at drop off. Um, how to support friends who are parents of a child with additional needs this is a really good one because I think as as a friend of someone with a child with additional needs, or even um, myself as, you know, a professional working with with parents who have children that may have additional needs, it's really tricky because you don't want to say the, the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, as mm. we touched upon um, before we came on the podcast, this is kind of a world full of acronyms and you don't want to be using the wrong term for the wrong condition or offending anyone. I think the best thing you can do is just to be there 
um, and not be there in terms of trying to organize loads of play dates or trying to like always invite them out for dinner or whatever, but just to be there so that they know that if they're having a really rocky time, you'd be at the end of the phone for a quick WhatsApp message um, for that kind of emotional support for the parent. And I think also with regards to interacting with their child, with your own children, maybe um, children are are amazing at supporting each other they are the most inclusive people that you will come across because they don't have preconceptions they just accept people on you know who they are and, and how they're acting so I wouldn't kind of see it as a negative this if a parent is saying oh I don't really fancy going to the park with you today with my child because there'll be a backstory to that and it'll be probably because they're worried that they're not going to be able to cope with the I don't know sensory overload of being in a crowded park right so yeah. if you let the parent direct what they want the social activities to be. And even if it's something that might not be the most appealing to your child, the interaction that they'll have with with the other child will be really, really quite positive, I think. So I think it's be there and, and kind of quietly support as opposed to being like, I haven't seen you for ages. Let's go for dinner. Come on, you need a break. When actually that might not be feasible because it doesn't factor into that kind of, you know, their style of childcare is very different to, to yours. Yeah, actually that leads us on to this question. Um, how do we help children um, with non like non send children understand sends children like a lot of like you say so many cope really well in mainstream schools but how do we explain that to you know children who don't have those needs you could, well there's kind of two ways of thinking about it teachers and schools themselves can do so much work in this area and then also parents so um, from a teaching perspective. I did loads of work when I was actually uh, working as a deputy head and making my student body as inclusive as possible. So if a child had a question about a need, we just answered it. We weren't saying, oh, don't be mean to so-and-so or don't point out that there's a difference. We'd say, yes, there was a difference here and this is because of X, Y, Z. Um, We used to do loads of events in school that were all focused around um, special needs. So there's a really lovely film called Life Animated, which is about um, an autistic boy who was nonverbal, but then he learns to speak by watching Disney films. So he was um, repeating the sentences Mm, in the Disney films to then communicate what his needs were. Um, And honestly, every time I watch it, it makes me cry because at the end he stood at his university graduation saying he's a proud autistic man. So we did a screening of it in school and got all the kids in they gave them all popcorn and then they um we made like a real hype about it and then they just watched the film and then you can just see that kind of organically flowing through the conversations that they're having because they're like oh well so and so in year nine's got autism and he does this and yeah. it, it just makes it something you talk about rather than something that you're like hushing down and yeah. i think too often as adults um we're like oh no don't say that or don't offend people and I think from a parent point of view, again, it's just make it part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, I was with my friend's little boy the other day and we saw a lady in a wheelchair and he said, why is she in a chair with wheels on? And it made perfect sense. He didn't understand. So we just explained to him yes. why, whatever reason that might be. And then he was like, oh, okay, fine. And it's understood and moved on. Whereas if we were to say to him, oh no, don't, you know, don't point, don't make a scene. Every time he sees somebody who's in a wheelchair, that's going to be like, what's that mean? Or why is that happening? So the biggest thing is talk about it. Um, There's so much stuff on the TV as well at the moment. Um, TV shows that are really inclusive. um, People with additional needs being, um, there's a guy on CBBS who presents called George. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. He's got um, Down syndrome. Um, Even in kind of, you know, 
more adult TV. There's loads of people now with additional needs who are acting alongside everybody. Just about else, having those conversations, be. isn't it, Claire? And I think I think that's the big thing. There's so much there's so much historical kind of awkwardness and 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 kind of uncomfortableness around it for whatever mm. reason. And that's just not the way we want to live any longer. I mean, exactly. definitely not. It's just like every conversation has to be on the table. And like you said, you know, our children, we have to encourage them to ask the questions and to to look and point and see and say, Oh, what's that? And then we can have yeah. the chat about it. There's a little boy in, yeah. in Luna's class um, who's got additional needs and he they have the most beautiful friendship and well, she often comes home and says oh you know he loves stroking my hair and then he tells me that he loves me and we just sit together for ages and I know that I, I make him calmer and they've obviously had those like it's just beautiful just a beautiful yeah. friendship but yeah I think I was um, gonna uh, say yeah, yeah. so Act, they they have um, a room at school where you know some children with the ad- additional needs can go and have their lunch like in quiet in like a, mm. a quiet time and they don't have to go in the playground they can colour mm. and um, I think sometimes they'll get to pick someone you know to go in there with them and Axel said he went in with a little boy the other day and I was like oh like, I didn't actually know what it was so I was mm. like oh how come you went in there and he went oh he doesn't like to play in the playground with lots of noise and he said actually I don't really either <laughs> and I was like oh that's good and he went yeah he says so we don't really talk to each other in the playground but we talk to each other in that yeah. room because oh, we have to be peace and quiet and I was yeah. like oh, that's yeah. actually really nice you kind of mm. get it like you you understand that in a you know in a playground environment he's not going to want to play with you which is fine but then in a in a quiet room you can actually get on and you can find some common ground because neither mm. of you like noise so yeah there we go and there's so much stuff that works for SEN children that works just for every child it's Mm. not some sort of magic list of instructions for one specific child actually if you think about all of our children's needs a lot of them are just the same as SEN children it just means that they might be you know slightly heightened because of their their needs so yeah it works for everyone we'll be right back after this short break there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? It's just a little, a lovely little statement here. Uh, a massive thank you from a mum of an autistic, lively five-year-old. I'm exhausted. It's yeah. um, it's definitely parenting with uh, parenting a child with additional needs can be a challenge, but it also, as you've touched upon, brings so many different kind of lovely bits as well. And because you are, I suppose, worried that they're going to struggle when they do achieve things, it's just so much better and so much more rewarding um but yeah that's a really nice comment Mm. um here's a question this is from victoria i've got zero confidence in mixing with other mums or kids with my son how do i get myself out there this is a really good question i can completely see where she's coming from even 
when I had my daughter walking into like baby sign language, I was like, oh God, this is really nerve wracking. Um, and if your child's got additional needs, you've got that kind of worry as well that are oh, people going to say something that might be yeah. upsetting or are people going to be accepting? Um, luckily, loads of children's centres or um, children's clubs are being a lot more inclusive these days and are offering sessions that are SEN friendly. Um, I do a lot of work with some parent clubs in London and they have specific classes that are for um, SEN children and their parents. So they're a nice place to start because you're going in with people that have had a similar sort of lived experience to you. And also off the back of that, you end up building these little networks. And that's what you need, I think, as a parent of a child with SEN is that you can't necessarily ping out a question to your school friends who've all got kids and say, this has happened, what do I do? Because their experience might be totally different. Whereas mm. going to those um, SEN specific sessions, you start building your kind of tribe, I suppose. And it's a tribe of parents that have lived the same, I don't know, experiences with you in terms of your child's behavior, your child's medical needs or you know, how many times you have to get up in the night because you're absolutely exhausted. So they are a really nice place to start and they're a little bit less um, daunting than going into, you know, those parenting classes, not parenting classes, kind of children's groups where you're thinking everyone is judging me. Because I thought that when I was walking in and if you have a child who's got additional needs, that's just going to mm. be, you know, mm. 10 times worse. So mm. I think seek out places that are that do have these inclusive clubs because they are, they are great. And I've been working... I've, done three sort of bits of work with three separate clubs here in London so there's, there's definitely happening and and places are seeing the importance of offering say autistic friendly sessions or cinemas that are kind of doing it as well there's so much out there I was gonna say or if not you could set up your own one you know like oh, yeah, you definitely. could the local mum group and just say oh is there anyone else out there you know who who's going through this and I'm sure there will be um mm. so yeah don't no need to isolate yourself no absolutely no. not um this is from Becca this made me feel really sad reading this actually um how to come to terms with the fact that my child may always be non-verbal and not live independently yeah it's a real tough one I think um I do a lot of work with parents during the time when their child is being diagnosed and um, sort of the main thing I say to them is that if you are going to receive a diagnosis it doesn't change who your child is it Mm. literally is a label and that label doesn't mean anything it means that maybe you could google something and be a bit more specific but ultimately your child is who they are and that is you know that's their little personality and it's hard to see it because obviously you're comparing to um, other children or friends children but a child who is nonverbal is going to communicate with you in so many other ways. And I have lots of parents who I work with their children when they're quite young and then I see them through to kind of teenagehood and then off to sort of adulthood. And we always have these conversations when they're sort of like 18, 19. And I'm like, do you remember when they were seven and you thought this and the parent just sort of like, I can't believe that they're, how far they've come and, and what a kind of amazing young adult they're turning into. And although it's really tricky at that point of kind of first diagnosis, that realization of like, you know, my journey is going to be different to my friends or um, my family's parenting journey. Ultimately, communication through words is one tiny piece of how we communicate with each other. Yes. And it's 
probably going to be a challenging journey, but finding your way through that kind of communication journey non-verbally is going to really form a, like a super tight relationship with your child as opposed to being, you know, other children who are able to communicate verbally but might not have a connection on a kind of a sensory level or on a kind of thinking about eye contact or using things like Makaton and communication devices. Yeah, and, and also just from a sort of human perspective, because obviously I have no idea what that moment on that diagnosis feels like but from a human perspective to this to this person that sent the message in it's absolutely okay to feel all of the feels and everything oh, that you definitely. are going through you know you can scream you can shout you can cry go and go and speak to somebody about it you can fit you know it's okay however you are feeling is okay yeah. you know mm. like they're going to be really shit days and they're going to be great days and that and that's the journey that you've got ahead of you um yeah, so definitely. just yeah we, we, we are here for you we like absolutely. we yeah we're wrapping love around you for Um, this is from mel my child has sensory problems how do i get help or a diagnosis so um actually lots of children are um do have issues with sort of sensory difficulties and again it's a huge range it can range from um the feel of your clothes against your skin it can link to food and eating and kind of um, the physical act of eating, things like noise light those type of things so there's a couple of ways where you can get support um you can book to see a occupational therapist. This is someone who would be able to look at your child's sensory profile and see yeah. where they may have um, triggers. Or you can go to um, just go to the GP and mention what you're seeing, and they would um, refer you to a community paediatrician. Um, the community paediatrician is a really great service. It's almost like like a big umbrella over all of the different services that a child might actually access. So the community paediatrician would be able to refer you to the right team who would be able to support you. Um, There are loads of ways that you can assist uh, a child with sensory processing disorder or sensory difficulties just at home without any kind of medical help. Um, And it's about learning, I suppose, what their sensory diet is. So what what upsets them in terms of tactile touch? Is it that, that when they have their top button done up at school that it's causing them to feel stressed? Can you talk to school about not doing that? Is it because they don't like the feeling of, I don't know, their bed sheets? Just change the type of bed sheet that you use. So actually, yeah. it can feel really challenging when you first delve into the world of, of sensory issues. But actually, once you kind of work out the, the sensory diet that your child may have, you just have to kind of I suppose, mitigate those bits out of, mm. of their day-to-day life. But yeah, an OT can give you some more information and your GP as well. This is actually a, a really interesting question. How do you deal with wraparound care for special schools with no after-school club? I actually know quite a few parents at um, Axel School who are having the same, you know, the same sort of troubles because Mm. you know their children don't necessarily settle well in after school club and breakfast club but they you know have full-time jobs and they you know need to earn money but they can't be there um what you know what would your advice be it is it's a tricky one that kind of balance between yeah school finishes at three and then everyone else's jobs carry on and it's a, a definite mismatch um in the last few years there's been a real shift i think in um Childcare services realizing that children with special needs are are out there and they need to be looked after, um, and sometimes in a particularly you know quite specialist way. Um, so I have done some work in the past with um, 
a childcare app that actually has a specific section where you can select your child's um, special educational need. And then they match you up with, say, an after school nanny or a small group that are you know, the wow. person is trained. What that? Oh, um, the Coro Kids. The Cor- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I did some stuff with them a few a few months ago now. And it's so good. You can literally, I was fiddling around with it. You can type in your child's name, list what needs they have, and then it will filter down all the nannies that have the appropriate training um and some of them yet yeah, are you know are nannies or babysitters but some of them are child minors with small groups so that makes that That's kind of so good you know how suddenly childcare is like on your phone and food taps and you've got a babysitter um i really like the way that they're making that inclusive and it's not something inaccessible to children with additional needs so that's that's one one option also I think schools are getting a lot better when it comes to after school provision I think a lot of children in special schools are often taxied to and from school and that kind of limits it because it's like you know the taxis arrived and you've got to head off home then but I think schools do really good jobs in terms of after school clubs but if that doesn't work then yeah hop on hop on the apps and, and have a look because they That's are amazing. they're getting so much better now and you're able to really kind of look at their the nannies or babysitters qualifications you really, you can see pictures of where like their rooms where they would be playing or being supported um and yeah I was really impressed when I saw that because it was like finally we've got that's you know, yeah. one option that that's would work really for good everybody. really good um because I mean that's difficult even if you know your children haven't got special educational mm. needs um so yeah amazing um are there any additional employment rights as an SEM parent this is a really interesting one. So if you are a parent of a child with additional needs, you legally can request flexible working from your employer, which ultimately you're going to need because a child with additional needs is going to have so many more appointments. Um, You may have situations where they struggle getting, uh, say, into school and you need to take drop them off late or they might have an issue at school say and you have to go and collect them so you can request flexible working um obviously that is based on what your employer would would do but there's is such a big kind of buzz around flexible working and actually realizing that probably half the population are parents so we can't just demand them to be in an office say from nine to six and that's it so that's a really positive one and the fact that your child has additional needs will add much more um, evidence to your request um if your child has um a high level of need or um certain need to say um, autism for example you can register yourself as a carer because essentially you are um, you're providing not just parental care but in some cases medical care all sorts of different kind of responsibilities stick their head up which wouldn't happen normally say if you didn't have a child with additional needs if you are a carer there are so many things that you can tap into again flexible working you can look at um, getting a carer's allowance which gives you know a bit more extra money to support those extra things that you might be having to buy or additional care that you might be able uh, being have to pay for for example Um, so I would recommend checking out flexible working with your employer but also do you qualify to be a kind of registered carer? Because you might do based on the level of need that your child has. Well, how to cope with judgment from others or fear of judgment? This comes up so often when I'm talking to parents. Um, I think I think the fear of judgment happens a lot quicker than the actual judgment does, if that makes sense. Um, I think 
going into a room, say, with a group of children and their parents is really unnerving and you're going to be worried that they're thinking, you know, X, Y, Z about your child. But at the moment, it's a really exciting time, I think, in the world of SEM because everyone is aware of how important it is to be inclusive and everyone is kind of, I think, on a real kind of buzz of, you know, we need to be accepting, we need to be understanding additional needs, not um, excluding people or ignoring it or kind of brushing it under the carpet. So I think, I know it's hard, but try to go into, say, I don't know, the toddler group with your head held high, ready to have a nice time and try not to have those anxieties. And then if you are in a situation where somebody is being judgy, the best thing you can do is educate them. Yeah. One, because they're going to learn something new. But two, you're going to also be kind of calling them out as an adult and a parent being like, you need to kind of improve the way you're thinking about this or the way you're speaking, because actually you are, you know, you're teaching your own children to not be inclusive. And I imagine it would be a bit embarrassing if someone actually was to say, you know, actually you're incorrect there and you need to be more inclusive. And I think if someone ever said that to me, I would make sure I was the most inclusive person going. Um, I think educating people in sort of almost like drip feeding it is a really nice way of doing it as well. So I don't know, you might be at the park and something might happen. You say, oh, my daughter is likely to have this reaction because she's got autism or my son is going to find that, I don't know, task of tricky because they have got uh, dyspraxia or whatever and just drip feeding it into it becomes normal rather than feeling that you as an SEM parent have to sit all the parents down and give them like an hour-long presentation on what each condition is just make it part of day-to-day conversation um, and hopefully educate them along the way as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually, as well. Um, if, you know, you're a rece- like a, a parent of a reception child or you've started at a new school, there's obviously always, like, the group WhatsApp. Mm. And um, quite often, like, I've noticed that if someone new joins and their child has got, like, um, special educational needs, they'll just be like, oh, hi, I'm such and such as mum. Just FYI, mm. um, like, he or she has this. Um, if your child mentions that they've done this at school or whatever any questions like give me a shout that's what they and and you think oh that's great because sometimes you know you you might think oh um Axel could come home from school and be like oh such and such bit me or something Mm. and and as a parent you think oh my goodness I can't believe someone's (laughs) bit you and then actually if you just know oh you would react in a different way mm. to the child as well. So then yeah. it's helping the whole situation and it's helping everybody. Yeah, if, definitely. Um, people just know and understand like what their needs might be and what their behaviour might be like and mm. why they might react to certain things. Um, yeah, definitely. And just make it normal. It is normal. So many people in you know society in the UK have additional needs in different ways and it you know it's not something rare and really unusual it's it's part of day-to-day life so just make it as normal as possible and so many people are discovering that they Mm. have um like extra additional needs Mm. later on in life I'm I'm, yeah I see so many people saying I've just had my diagnosis for ADHD and they're Mm. in their mid-30s and they've always wondered why their brain hasn't worked in a certain way and they've been really hard on themselves and now they're like now it will make sense and I feel so much better often it comes with parents who are seeking help with their own children and then they're kind of like oh I've got a diagnosis for my child, but now actually, yeah, I think it might be something that marries true with me as well. So you you get these kind of families being diagnosed as opposed to just a child. Yeah. And everybody's individual. So everybody has their own individual needs anyway, don't they? Yeah. So, so many people just saying, 
like thank you for doing this somebody's put here this is Kirsty. my son can't concentrate and he's always in trouble for it he's misunderstood and also anxious what can i do um i think the first thing to do would be to reach out to um his school senko their job is to uh, strategically manage the provision for the special needs children in that school. But part of that role is, is diagnosing and, and kind of identifying children that might have struggles. Um, so rather than him being seen as, say, you know, the naughty boy that can't concentrate, you know, see that behavior as a communication of a need. And that need needs to be investigated. And that is what a Senko would do. So they might ask the teacher to um, provide some information. They might go and do some observations. They might have a meeting with mum. And it's it's almost a bit of a kind of detective journey. And you're going through kind of looking for clues of what um, this lack of concentration could mean. Um, The Senko has got a huge raft of professionals that they can call upon for um, advice and assessment. Um, And I think starting that journey means that one, you'll potentially get some answers as to why he can't concentrate, but two, it also will give him a silly way of putting it, but almost like a bit of protection in school. So he's not always getting told off constantly for not concentrating because actually there is, um, you know, the Senko is working with that child and trying to find out what is um, causing them not to concentrate. So it would mean that hopefully his school experience would be a bit nicer rather than that constant, you know, I'm getting told off and I don't understand why. And often, you know, SEN children's journeys start off that way. Um, But whatever behavior they're showing, they are trying to communicate something to you. Being naughty isn't a thing. It is a way of communicating. So I would um, yeah, link up with school and ask them to help you unpick what that communication is. I really love that, that you say that being naughty isn't a thing and it's just a way of, of communicating. Um, mm. Because I think that probably happened when we were at school. Yeah. Um, you know, the naughty kids actually just needed some help and a bit oh, of someone to understand them. Um, so yeah, anybody listening, um, if you're going through that, then there is so much support out there. I think we'll wrap there actually, because I think mm-hmm. we've covered lots of topics. <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. good that so many people sent questions in. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people feel worried or it's a bit kind of embarrassed, but yeah, I think it's best just to talk about it. Absolutely. And, yeah, make it normal. Lovely. Thank you so much, Claire. <laughs> That's okay. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for finishing off that podcast, George. I obviously had to nip off there. All right. <laughs> but what a great chat. And so many amazing questions. Yeah, it's so interesting. And we do really hope that that's been helpful to anyone who is going through any of the issues that we mentioned in that podcast. Um, it's, you know, it's never easy, but I'm hoping that, you know, us providing a platform for these experts to answer your questions mm. is useful. Um, and obviously yeah. these Friday Q&As are for you, so any feedback would be great and even if you don't have you know a child you know who requires that sort of special educational needs stuff you might have a friend whose kid is going through something similar in which case you can pass a podcast on to them so and and also just you know learning the language and learning how to support somebody that's that that needs a little bit of extra help so that's as georgia said that's what these friday q a's are all about when we when we get an expert involved um so georgia let's kick off our products for the week you start us off yeah i think i'm going to start us off this is actually like a series of books so Axel is in year two now and so he can read you know quite well and on his own um but he really doesn't enjoy reading the school books he just doesn't I mean to be honest some of them are really boring and it did worry me because you know you're always told about the importance of reading they need to be reading they need to be reading and my dad 
was a headmaster he's retired but he mm. said to me listen it doesn't matter what they're reading yeah. as long as they are reading so I bought him I've started buying him things that he's really interested in so we subscribe to the Match of the Day magazine he reads that all the time but he also reads the Marcus Rashford book so there's one yeah. like called You Are a Champion there's another one called You Are, You Can Do It and then there are also like some stories so there's, there's one like about a breakfast club um, and he will happily they're chapter books he will happily sit in bed read those before he goes to sleep puts a bookmark mm. in and it's actually nice because I guess it just teaches them to, that reading can be enjoyable can be and it's not yeah. like a, a task that you just have to tick off I, re- um, I mean I don't yeah. know about you George but I remember when we had to do um, we had to read one of the Hardy books I think it was called I think it was called The Mayor of Casterbridge at school right and I was like oh, an avid oh, reader God. and I remember thinking Kill me now. And then obviously, like, yeah. you know, a Jilly Cooper novel, I'd be all over. Probably not the age of 14, <laughs> but like... I mean, we are talking about you. <laughs> not for the year twos or the year tens, but, you know, like, it, it, what my point was, it was like, I loved reading, but when I was forced into reading yeah. that, it was so heavy. Exactly. I didn't enjoy it. I lost exactly. the love for it. So, yeah. Um, exactly. Right, yeah. From, um, from books to Leapfrog Leapstart learning system, which I used on Luna, but obviously now Kit has just started school he absolutely loves it um I just got loads of little kind of like games and um, things that they can do to kind of test their reading, identify shapes, colours, you know, numbers, letters, all that kind of stuff. And he just sits there in the evening. It's got like a little pen attached to it, um, battery operated, and it just keeps him entertained. It's 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 not like an iPad. It's actually like a sort of, it looks like a book, but with like an iPad. Yeah, it's got a pen, hasn't it? Really good. They I got love a John gadget. Lewis. Yeah, they do love a gadget. Um, this is actually a reading programme I used for Axel because before he started school, we were in lockdown so he wasn't at preschool anymore and so we started using reading eggs and I I really do rate it and I'm going to start probably with Gigi in January maybe like getting okay. her to have a little look at it on the iPad it's, they, they feel like it's a treat because they're yeah. on the iPad like playing a game but actually they don't realise that they're learning like their sounds and their you know their letters and all that kind of stuff it's a, it's a really good programme it's not just for like preschool age kids it goes all the way through so um, definitely check that out there's always offers as well so yeah it's a good one and then the final product today which is something that we bought about a year ago was a whiteboard for the kids rooms and they love it we've got whiteboard markers Luna and Isla actually teaching Kit now how to read and write um, it's so cute I find them upstairs playing school together oh. <laughs> like, oh, it's so cute and it's just lovely I've, and you know it just encourages Kit to pick up a pen and practice how he holds it and practice his letters and stuff so yeah it's been really lovely I just got mine from Amazon it came next day and yeah great um, right that's Love it for it. this week thank you so much for all of your questions that you sent in again we really hope you enjoyed the podcast if you do have time to rate, review, subscribe and give the podcast a little follow that would be amazing yeah and any feedback on the podcast or any co- topics you'd like us to cover our DMs are open we're on at Made by Mummers and we'll be back on Tuesday Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or 
anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.